1: You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast,
0: with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he backed it in! He backed it in! And the game is time! We're going to
1: overtime! Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Ranger catches, shoots for three. To win it! He
0: hits
1: it! Brogdon for three. Got it! O'Neal drives on Yao, puts it
0: in! Duarte 4-3, oh baby! Anthony attacks, Hibbert denies him at the rim! Harris LeVert,
1: people don't realize how good he really is. LeVert, skies high for the jam. Stevenson, passes into Sabonis for the basket! Jackson turns, fires, and hits! Oh! Miles Turner, it. Smoke He flips it to the big fella, fake shoes. And hits. this is TJ McConnell, and you're listening to Setting the Pace
0: Pacer Nation. What is going on? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined today by the born ready Pacer fan, the one and only Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how's it going, brother?
1: Hey, Alex, <laughs> it's funny because. Last time we did an episode, I was like, man, this is getting tough, you know. And then now all of a sudden we lose, you know, Lavert. We we lose uh, Goga. I mean, obviously T.J. Warren goes down. So it's just like the, the losses keep piling on as well as piling on to the record. We get Born Ready back. It was fun for a little bit. I hope there's a little bit more fun. But in the end, another close loss.
0: Yeah, they took a huge lead. Well, not a huge, but a, a nice lead in the third quarter. bonus starts going off. Uh, He finished the game with 32 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, he had a really nice game. I thought Justin Holliday played well. I thought Dwayne Washington and Keeper Sykes played well. I thought Turner was okay in this game as well. But um, ultimately, just the bench did not give this team enough production. You know, O'Shea Brissett only played 16 minutes. He had just six points. Lance played. 13 minutes, he had just six points. And then Torrey Craig played 21 minutes, and he was 0 of 5 from the field. So, really, I think the starters played well enough. But when you look at the the Cavaliers bench, just looking at Kevin Love and uh, Stevens putting a combined together 35 points on 12 of 26 shooting, it's kind of hard to beat that.
1: It really is. I mean, when you look at the bench, I mean, just didn't get the job done. 12 points, eight rebounds combined, five of 20 shooting, I mean, that's not going to cut it against anyone in the league. You talk about, you know, Stevens. I'm going to be honest, Lamar Stevens. That's someone I have not watched this year. I was like, who is that? And he <laughs> he gave the Pacers some fits. I mean, Kevin Love, it seems like he's been banished in Cleveland, but he looked good tonight. Yeah. And then the bigs, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, they looked really good tonight. Mobley is a special player. Um, Pacers had their hands full yeah, but when you talk about the starting unit, I mean, yeah, Savonis, 32 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists. I mean, at times, he seemed very aggressive, which was great to see. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're limited. They're limited what they have. But I have to tip my hat on, Dwayne Washington Jr. is every bit of an NBA player. He yeah. is. That man can shoot. And, and he was coming off a 3 of 13 last game. I was like, oh, you know, that's rough. It's his first substantial minutes. This guy played 34 minutes tonight, eight of 17. I know Jack went up at the end, so he would have shot 50. But this this guy can flat out shoot.
0: No, I liked I liked what we saw from Brandon Washington tonight. He looked uh, poised. I thought Kiefer Sykes looked really well too. I don't know if you saw that block that he had or not, but that was unbelievable. I mean, that guy looked like he jumped off a trampoline to get that shot. And you know, you were talking about his height the other day, and I was laughing because. I think he set like this little back screen on Jared Allen and it looked yeah. like he just got swallowed into this bear hug. Once yep. he did it, I was like, good grief, Jared Allen. And, I mean, Jared Allen is already tall, but he has a huge fro on top. Like I felt like you could have almost stacked three Kiefer Sykes on top of oh, each yeah. other to be to Jared Allen. Uh, No offense to the man, but he came out and balled and, and did really good in his first NBA start considering all the, all the, all that's going on. And I think one thing that you have to look at here too, which I, I think over time we'll see, Maybe this group of guys play a little bit better moving forward is, you know, Lance Stevenson really didn't have a time to practice with the Pacers, right? No, not at all. Uh, you know, Kiefer, he's, he's a little bit more familiar with these guys. Same with Dwayne. They've been here since training camp. But, you know, Lance pretty much just hung out in Cleveland until the team got there because the Hawks had previously played in Cleveland. So just, uh, just a different dynamic. But I think what the fans really want to hear about is Lance Stevenson. So let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Fachi. how are you feeling when you saw him check into the game?
1: Well, the first thing that was evident real quick was I hated the fact that the game was on NBA TV and it didn't have the Pacers announcing crew uh, because I really felt that would have added to it. But it gave me a feeling of excitement again. Like it, it felt like, to be honest, must much, much, much watch TV. I had to see it, had to see it, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't say must, Um, uh, had to be there to be like, I got to be there. Lance Stevenson's like, you know, reunion with the Pacers. It was cool. You saw him doing the classic Lance where he's, you know, just seems like swaggy with the dribble. I, I can't – I'm trying to imitate it right now, even though you can't see me. But it made you feel like anything could happen. And he started out the game hot. He was like three for three. Um, yeah. And he, he went for a buzzer beater at the end of the first half that made me believe that if he hit that, it was like anything could happen today.
0: No, I think there's a lot of energy around the team tonight. I'm not sure if that's just guys getting an opportunity here or Lance being back on the team and, you know, him just being – you know, kind of a vocal leader. I don't know how vocal he was tonight. I really wasn't paying that much attention to, to how vocal he was, but you could tell that he looked a little bit rusty out there trying to figure out the offense. I think one of his very first plays, he was trying to throw a pass to Justin Holliday off a screen and he thought holiday was coming out and holiday ended up like curling down towards the baseline. And so when he made the pass, it hit Miles right in the like waist area, thigh yep. area. And I was like, Oh, okay, uh, this is gonna be interesting to see how it turns out. But started quick. Yeah, so I mean, but but really I was just I was impressed. I think he, like you said, he hit his first three shots and then it felt like Carlisle had a pretty short leash on him tonight. I thought so. You know, and I, I think part of that too is one, he doesn't want Lance to like yeah. get out of control, get overhyped because he's trying to prove he's worth the contract, if that makes sense. So you have to kind of rein that in, kind of like, hey, you know, we'll let you do some stuff, but, you know, you got to figure it out. I thought Lance looked a little tired at one point, too. I don't know if you noticed that or not. Like, it took him forever to get back on defense on one possession, mm-hmm. But ultimately, I, I think that Pacer fans, I, I think I saw more activity on Twitter tonight for this Pacers team than I have all season long just because Lance Stevenson made his return. I mean, that is what he does for this fan base. So even if he's not a guy that's in the normal – 10-man rotation once everybody's healthy. Uh, I guess we can talk about that real quick. Uh, I don't know if he's going to last longer than the 10-day contract, but I I think that the excitement the fans have for him should should do something in in terms of have a motivating effect for the front office.
1: Exactly. I don't know how long it's going to last, but one of my New Year's resolutions for our last episode was that the front office gets more in touch with the fan base, and the fan base – has been dying to have Lance return to the Pacers for so long. It's a small move. And like you mentioned, it might not even last past these 10 days. Maybe they give him 10 more. But it was a small thing that I felt like the front office could easily grant the fan base. And I'm happy they at least did it. I'm happy we got to see that. And I know we have a ton of questions about Lance for today's episode. So I don't want to spoil those. But... Even if it's short-lived, it was cool. It's fun. I hope we get to see a little bit more.
0: Yeah, it'll be fun to see Lance in New York on Tuesday night. So that'll be a show. Always a good time to see Lance at the Garden. But once again, that's going to be on NBA TV, Fauci. So you might not get the hometown uh, crowd or or not hometown, but the home team uh, announcing crew. But it was funny when, uh, when they zoomed in on him. I think Chris Neri was like, "There he is, the hometown guy." <laughs> it's like it was so funny. They were so hyped. They kept talking about it in the pregame show. So everybody is just looking for something to give this team a spark. And I think fans are hoping Lance can be that. But uh, similar to his return the last time, they did drop that one on the road in Cleveland. So we'll see what he does against the next one. Flachi, are you ready to get into our mailbag questions?
1: Bring them on.
0: All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. All right, we're here for the mailbag. We missed you all last week, but we are back to do it. We're going to jump right into it on Instagram. This comes from Juan Judy. He said, on a 1-10 to 10 scale, what is the likelihood that Lance inks a deal for the rest of the year after his 10-day is up? Also, who would be the person waived if this was the case?
1: I would say, it's. I mean, coming in, man, it really depends how he plays. I would like to say that it could be about a 6 out of 10 if he stays for the season. But that all depends on how he plays. I mean, the COVID, they've shortened it now. So you can be back after, you know, I think it's like five days now. Um, but that, that would obviously mean that it would come at the expense of a roster spot. I thought Kiefer Sykes played better today, but I think he probably has a short leash. And then Keelan Martin is a guy who struggled a little bit. His contract's a little bit more. It's $1.7 million on the year. Um, so I think those are the two guys that would be at risk. So Keelan, i um, Kiefer, it depends how he struggles or not, but I would put it no higher than a 6 out of 10 that he signs for the season.
0: So I I do believe that on January 7th, that is when Kiefer Sykes' deal becomes fully guaranteed if he is not waived. Also, the same thing goes for Keelan Martin because even though his date was pushed back, it was only a partially guaranteed contract. So that is what that meant, Vaji. I don't know if you knew that or not, but Mm -hmm. um, the big thing I think here um, between these two guys look, I think Kiefer Sykes outplayed Lance Stevenson in this game tonight. Yeah, yeah. He did. So, you know, you got to give credits where credit's due. And I think Kiefer deserves a roster spot right now more than Lance. Um, Keelan Martin to me is a guy that I never, you know, I didn't understand why he was taking some of the minutes he was taking with that, with that second unit. I know Carlisle likes him a lot. He's a tough player. I don't dislike Keelan Martin at all. So I, I think that he'd probably be the first choice if you're looking at a guy to wait. That's on a non-guaranteed. O'Shea Brissett is another guy that his contract does not become fully guaranteed till January 7th as well. But with that being said, I wonder if they could find a way to trade Jeremy Lamb to like OKC and attach a second to it because they've got a ton of cap space, and then be able to make a roster spot to bring Lance in if they don't feel like the Jeremy Lamb experience is going to work anymore.
1: It would be very interesting. I mean, if they were going to do that, they'd have to do it on the on the sooner side. I mean, sure, they could always bring Lance back for 10 more days. Um, but, I mean, that would be the easy solution here because it's yeah. obvious Jeremy Lamb does not fit into the future. But for right now for Kiefer Sykes, when you need your thin at point guard, you know, he at least plays that role. Like Lance isn't a true point guard. No. And, and Kiefer is far more under that category. Um, and then Keelan Martin, it's a rough time to be out right now you know, especially with when someone's coming for your job. Um, so you wish him a speedy recovery, but at the same point, I mean, do you really see Kevin Martin in the future plans either? That's another guy where you're like, eh, probably not. So I, d- I do think he could be at a disadvantage here the most.
0: Um, you know, it's, it's a possibility. We'll see what happens. Yep. Uh, my gut is saying that Lance will probably, this reunion will probably expire at the end of this 10 day, unless I get, you know, more COVID outbreaks. I just, I'll be surprised more so than not if he is retained for longer than this short little stint. But with that being said, let's move on to our next question. This comes from Fester35. He said, Sabonis appears to have made solid strides in his free throw shooting this year and definitely looks more confident. Do you think he can develop his three-point shot like Vucevic, Lopez, and Valanchunas, who didn't really start hitting them until they hit 28 years old?
1: First of all, I, I do believe. Now, look, it might not be this year, but at one point tonight, Sabonis was 3 of 3 from 3. He finished the game 3 of 4 from 3. He loves that straightforward, you know, shot uh, just from the top of the key. Yep. That feels like where he's more comfortable shooting the three ball. But guys like Brook Lopez didn't become a three-point shooter until they're like 10 years into the league. So, Sabonis right now in the season, he's shooting like after today like about 30%. It's it's not great, but it's definitely a step forward because he's shooting more consistently. I do feel like a couple of years from now Sabonis could be like a 35% three point shooter and i'd say that's developing.
0: Yeah, i think i think if uh, i if i'm not mistaken right he was shooting around 33% this month from three. I put a I put a stat out here. I'm going to pull it up real quick, but yeah, it's just an interesting thing because i'm not really sure uh how much i can believe it's a bonus. He's shooting 33.3% from three this past month of december. So, i mean, that's that's an improvement from what he was doing at the beginning of the year. We saw him have a great game against Charlotte uh, to start the season where he had all those three point shots made and we're like Hey, is this something real? Um, but you're right. He's more comfortable at the top of the key. I, do, I mean, he's made a baseline one before, but doesn't seem very comfortable yeah. nor, nor from the side. I think he's really more better at the elbow extended or the, or the top of the key, but yep. he is a guy that maybe he could, but I still don't want him to fall in love with it. Right. Because he's just better when he's facilitating. Like I think we saw tonight to end the game, like they threw the ball to him with like six seconds left down four and the guy couldn't <laughs> yeah. even get a shot off. So that's just not who he is. He's going to be a no. pick-and-pop guy with whoever's running the point and hoping they're putting pressure on that defense, and then he'll just pop out. I mean, if he takes a couple of game, whatever, you know, goes 0-2 one game, then goes 1-2 for two the next game, like that's pretty okay. Like it's 25%, not great. But over time, I think it'll balance out. But ultimately, I don't think – uh, he'll probably get to the level of Vucevic, Lopez, or Valanchunas because they've been like lights-out shooters, <laughs> like kind of stupid ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But I think he could get to, like like you said, 33, 35, 35 you know? yeah, range. Yeah, right around there. Just decent enough. But uh, anyway, let's move on to our next question. This comes from Kuma31. Happy New Year. Uh, in your guys' opinion, what has Rick Carlisle and the coaching staff been doing and or not doing that has been affecting this team's performance? While the yeah. roster construction is wonky, there's talent on this roster that is not being utilized, and I don't feel all the blame should fall on the players at the point and at this point in the season. Thanks, and keep up the great work.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've read that Rick has been very relaxed at times, not calling too many plays, kind of letting them be a bit more free out there. And I, I just think at times, I mean, we're shooting way too many threes, spreading out too much to not have the capable shooters to be able to hit at a high clip. We just do not have the shooters to play like that. And I just feel like they've tried to turn everybody into three point shooters. Like, you know, we talked about McConnell. It was just, it's just not his game. Felt uncomfortable, looked awkward out there. Um, Sabonis taking, you know, far more threes. We're seeing him take four or five threes at times when that has not been a case in the past. Um, so I just think that we also don't have, I don't know, I don't want to say that we don't have a great plays drawn up at the end of the game. It's just a matter of they just haven't worked.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I'll talk about a little bit here is just like trying to find a balance because I feel like there's not a great balance of like who this roster is and, nope. and, and how they're going to utilize it. Right. Because so many times we've seen them tinker with lineups, but it's usually just like, oh, you know, Justin's going to be in the starting lineup No, Duarte is no, neither of them are, you know, we're going to go a different route. Like it's just, it, it feels like the main four when healthy, Brogdon, Levert Simonis, and Turner have played quite a bit, but you know, I feel like it took him forever to find O'Shea set off the bench because that's a guy that just provides energy. Did it in that third game of the season against the Heat and then struggled the next couple of games and then he was pretty much buried again. And it's like, what's going on here? Uh, you know, for some, for some reason, Rick Carlisle felt that Brad Wanamaker was a better choice over Kiefer Sykes for the third string back of point guard. And I think we've seen enough from Sykes already in these last couple of games to prove that he's – you know, at least at the same level as Brad Wanamaker, right? Brad Wanamaker might have more experience in the NBA, so maybe he was more comfortable with that. But ultimately, I just feel like, you know, there's been some questionable moves. And the biggest one to me is just how they've not played through Sabonis as much at the beginning of the season. But if you look tonight, look how different this team looked when they had to run basically the whole entire offense through Domas. And they've been doing that a little bit more. I mean, obviously, Karis still gets to do his stuff, right? But ultimately... When this team plays through Sabonis offensively, they're a much better team. Now, defensively, I I feel like they've done a pretty good job on on things. Obviously, they were 27th in defense last year or last month, so not not perfect, but I think the scheme is much, much better than last year's uh, scheme that Nate Bjorken ran. And ultimately, this this team, it's not just the bigs that have problems defending. Like, we know Miles is a great rim protector, and we know that he does a decent job when being switched on man-to-man Sabonis, so I thought he's shown, especially against big guys, that he can be a pretty solid defender one on one against guys that are like him. Right. But when it comes to the perimeter defense, I don't know if you saw this tonight, but Lance just got like, like way out of position and just got yep. blown right by. I mean, that's just that's not Lance's fault, but that happens with Lavert, That happens with Brogdon. I mean, Lavert might be the worst defender on this team outside of Jeremy Lamb. So these guys get blown by all the time on defense. And I think that's more the problem than it is offense for anything.
1: I mean, I I, I agree. Defensively, it's, it's just not there. From the perimeter, I mean, tonight, the the Cavs went 6 of 26 from 3. Sure, like, that worked out in our favor. But the sad part is is we shot over 40% from 3, yep. and it didn't work. Nope. So, I mean, that's the thing. We <laughs> wasted a good three-point shooting night. Um, So, it, it's a shame, but it's just – they got issues at the perimeter. They, they can't hit threes from the perimeter. They, they can't really stop as many threes in the perimeter. Overall, they just don't have, I think, like the – the pieces that they need right now. I mean, you need far better shooters to be doing what, what Rick wants to do. Um, so for there, I do think the coaching staff, you know, does deserve – the blend can't solely be on the players. I 1,000% agree.
0: Yeah, crunch time has just been the biggest problem for the Pacers, it feels like. You know, so many close games, and sure, you know, you can go back to the last two-minute report against the Bulls, and we saw all the calls that they came out and said they missed. Third time,
1: there's been a, <laughs> a report against us.
0: Right, I mean, but – it's just one of those things where you just have to deal with it, suck it up, and move on. you got to be better overall. But uh, let's move on to another question here on Instagram from Fest 35 his second question. He said, Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood had a big argument with coaching staff at halftime tonight with both refusing to play. That was on Saturday night. Um, who was the coach again? Was it was John Lucas? What, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: There's in, a-
0: in Houston, yeah. They got into an argument because he basically called them out for, like, trying to hold them accountable, similar – uh, to some of the stuff we saw last year with Goga and Greg Foster, right? But did it in the locker room, so, you know, just trying to hold him accountable. Anyway, KPG uh, has a history of attitude problems, but is he worth the risk for Indiana as we could really do uh, with some of that genuine attitude on the roster?
1: I love KPG. Uh, KPJ, I always have. <laughs> always loved Kevin Porter Jr. Always loved him. I think he's worth the headache if he has his head on straight, but I don't think that the Pacers – make a move for him at all because they've always steered on the side of precaution, like in the last, like what feels like post-brawl. Um, Lance, I feel like is, is just about the, the biggest headache they'll agree to deal with. And even he hasn't had any issues in a while. We need edge, not attitude. Yeah. APJ, I feel like seems to have some maturity issues that I feel like are, are holding him back. I mean, I saw you tweeted out. I mean, mentioned it. he slid in the draft, felt it. It's like pick 30 yeah. um, and at that point. He, he's had the talent. I mean, we've seen him drop 50 before in this league. Um, but there's a reason why he was traded for a late second-round pick. It was because he was obviously hard to deal with. And right now, unfortunately, it's showing again.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had issues in Cleveland. I was having issues in Houston. He was suspended from his college team because of issues. So I don't know what it is with him. I don't really know him personally or what what he's going through. I don't know if it's just like a mental health situation where he's just going through some stuff Like because I don't want to be – you know, insensitive to that whole side of thing, right? Fachi, you know, trying to be uh, as politically correct here. But I will just say this, you're you're exactly right. We need edge, not attitude. And, and that's what it comes to with KPJ. I don't want this guy anywhere near the Pacers roster. I understand he might be talented and we might want some edge like that, but I don't think he's good enough to take the risk on like that, Um, personally, for me. Um, And I also don't think Christian Wood is that good either. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about him a lot, but the guy could put up some offensive stats, but the dude does nothing defensively. And I, I know people are like, why do you like Sabonis so much? And it's like, trust me, Sabonis is a much better defender, in my opinion, than Christian Wood. Watching Christian Wood play against Miles Turner in that Rockets-Pacers game, I was just blown away by how how much like little, little not little impact, but uh, he just seemed to just not care. He was so lax, the on the defensive side of things and got caught in so many times just ball watching and not knowing where his man was. I mean, I don't even know how many points we had in the paint that game, but just one of those things where I'm just like, what, what is going on here? But uh, you know, Christian Wood, a lot of people have talked about him. I just think he's more of a role player. I don't think he should be a one or two on any team and uh, <laughs> just got to get my Christian Wood slander in here, but Kevin Porter jr. Uh, yeah. He's uh, more of a headache than he's worth. So, um, you know, but I hope he gets through whatever he's going through and is able to, mature and, and, and grow out of this and, and be better but right now I don't think he's worth the risk Fatch.
1: No, I, I don't think he is and it actually saddens me to say that because for so long I was thinking like why why didn't we make a move for him? Why not? But then it's just like we just whatever's going on behind the scenes. I mean it's obviously it's not the first, second or third time. Yeah. So this might just be who he is, unfortunately.
0: All right, Fotch, well let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get right back to our questions. All right, we got one more question here from Faster35 on Instagram, and then we're going to hop over to our Reddit questions. But he said, quick fire round, yes or no, on the roster, past the trade deadline. So, Fachi, you ready? I'll give you the names, and then you tell me yes or no if they're going to be on the roster, past the trade deadline, okay? Ready. Sabonis. Yes. Miles Turner. Yes. TJ Warren. Yes. Karis Levert. No. Gogu Batadze. Yes. O'Shea Brissett. Yes. Tori Craig. Yes. Jeremy Liam. No. Keelan Martin.
1: I say yes, but that one I'm very unsure of. Okay.
0: And then uh, he said he left off Brogdon McConnell and the rookies. So Alright, what um, about you? All right, you gonna read them to me? Yep. Are you ready? I'm ready. Sabonis. Yes. Turner? No. Ooh,
1: it's getting hot in here. Warren? Yes. Levert. No. Uh, Bataze.
0: Yes. Brissett. Yes. Lamb. No. Craig. I'm gonna say no as well. Ooh. Keelan Martin. I'm gonna say yes. All right. All right. Tori Craig could be on the on the move. Who knows? We'll find he, he, out. He's a pretty pretty cheap contract to move. Watch. He, he is. He uh, fits a lot of different teams. You know. Yeah. anybody that needs a backup for just to play some defense. Yeah. I mean, he he looked. Clearly playable enough in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, don't think I want him as my starting five, or no. not starting five, but like as my backup minutes, center. I
1: feel like I feel like for him to play ten minutes on a winning team, I feel like is is a good move.
0: Yeah, I I I really just think Turner and Lover are definitely gone. I I, I was hesitant on Batadze because I could see it, but at the same time, if they trade Turner, it doesn't make any sense to trade. It, him, right? That was
1: exactly my my theory. Is like, look, like, why would you give up on Goga then? Um, I feel like if, you, if you're going to trade one of the bigs, you definitely keep Goga. But at this point, it's like, I think if Miles was to make a fuss and, and like proclaim that he wants to be out of there, I think the Pacers would move him. If he doesn't and he says he's happy to be there, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they once again passed up a deal and waited towards the draft to maybe make a move.
0: Yeah, we'll see what happens. But, you know, might as well be bold and talk about it. So uh, let's move on here to our Reddit questions. We have two of them. So this one comes from... Coffin Flopper, he said, would you rather have five McConnell-sized Gogas or one Goga-sized McConnell? Honestly, this was a great question.
1: When I got this, <laughs> I was I was a little stunned. So here's how I think about it. Five McConnell-sized Gogas feels pretty aggressive, all right? Uh-huh. One Goga-sized McConnell just feels like someone who's super pesty, able to survive and win by any means necessary. So... This is not a good option either way. If I'm in an alley, and look, I I take pride in trying to stay in shape, but I ain't taking down five McConnell-sized Gogas. No way. And I'm at a serious reach advantage against one Goga-sized McConnell. So I I think I just got to go with give me the the one Goga-sized McConnell over five McConnell-sized Gogas.
0: Interesting, yeah, because I'm trying to think about this here, okay? So if you're talking about a seven-foot McConnell, right? Is there anybody in the NBA that comes to mind when you think about someone that plays similar to McConnell uh, at seven foot tall? No.
1: Nah, a seven-footer like McConnell? I don't know, man. That, that's <laughs> that's a that's a sneaky giant, man.
0: I, I think some people might say Ben Simmons, but I don't think McConnell's even close to that. I, I do think that the only thing you can really compare there is, you know, uh, both not great three-point shooters. But, yeah, I was trying to think about this a little bit. And part of me was like, you know, if we do get five McConnell-sized go-go's, like, Goga's no slouch. Like that dude gets really ticked off pretty quick. Uh, Look how mad he got at Greg Foster last year. So uh, I feel like with the five McConnell-sized Gogas, though, that dude would be a little ankle biter. (laughs) So uh, it'd be interesting. But I think the right answer probably is a Goga-sized McConnell. And then our last one here comes from uh, Depot Smile. He said, do you think Lance has a real impact on this team? Maybe even bring some identity.
1: I would love to say that he has an effect on his team and bring an identity, but I don't know if the magic has worn off a little bit. You know, it's not – there's no Paul George here who, like, you know, they had that great relationship going. I just feel like this is a team that it's pretty depleted. But if you bring back LaVert, Duarte, Brogdon, you get Warren back, and he's healthy, and Lance is playing, like, 10 minutes per game, something like that, I think he could have a boost then. But we can't be asking too much – with the squad we're dealing with right now.
0: So I will say this. I don't think Lance brings an identity to this team at all, but I do think that he will bring an impact. And you're going to see that Wednesday night against the Utah Jazz when he is home in front of this fan base, once again, in a Pacers uniform. Look, the moment he checks into that game, it is going to be roaring loud from the 8,000 fans that are at the arena. I don't even know how many people are going, but I guarantee I've already seen people on social media talking about how they have to get tickets to go and see the return of Lance. So he is going to have an impact on the team in that regard. He's going to bring new energy to this team. Look, on the road, it's probably a little bit different. He's still trying to get acclimated with his new teammates. The only teammates he has played with before is Demonte Sabonis and Miles Turner. So I personally think he's going to have a real impact, especially once he's home in front of this crowd. But other than that, Fauci, I think that uh, <laughs> little to little to no identity will be brought forth because of uh, Lance Stevens
1: It's a lot to ask for one man who was, you know, basically out of the league for, you know, probably about two years until the Hawks brought him back. But look, I would love for him to be able to to bring some energy. And I do think at home, like you mentioned, that is where you will see a difference. Like, truthfully, I was selfish enough to think that he was going to like walk into Cleveland and like, you know, we were going to hear a little bit of the crowd. And I realized, yeah, we're on the road. Why would that happen at all? Yeah, you know. When, exactly. I think when you come back to Indiana, that very well could happen. I hope it's something that lasts for a, l- a little bit longer than uh, just 10 days. You know, let's let the fun continue.
0: Absolutely. Well, this is going to wrap up our first part of the Mailbag Podcast. So we're going to take uh, a nice little break here and come back with part two on a new uh, on a new episode. So we'll be back in just a few. But thank you all so much for listening to Setting the Pace, Mailbag Part 1. Mailbag Part 2 will be available shortly. Sure.